Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, we're, we're obviously like we kind of touched base on a little bit. We're taking it slow. Our, you know, our members are, are incrementally growing month by month. So our, our goal is by 2024, at some point in 2024, uh, we're moving to our own space. Still going to be in Plymouth, obviously, just because I feel like most of these, most of our students already are, are committing to the school because of the location, right? So we're not going to just all of a sudden move cities. So we'll, we'll open up our space um, in Plymouth. And yeah, essentially, we're, we're trying to have a super, super nice gym, you know, just like HQ here, matted areas, uh, you know, a workout uh, fitness facility with weights, treadmills, stuff like that. That's just eventually the goal. Um, and yeah, I think that it's it's not too far fetched to, to say that at some point in, in 2024, that's we're going to make the move over. Welcome back to the Pohara podcast. As usual, check out at the Pohara podcast on social media, rate the show with five stars and share it with a friend. This is a show where we talk about jujitsu with jujitsu people, very often black belts. This show is brought to you by Way of the Tiger Soap Company. If you do a lot of BJJ, you take a lot of showers and you might as well enjoy that process. Good soap smells good and supports one of ours as the soap is made by a BJJ brother of mine, Julian. This time around, we've got John Castaneda and Josh Friggen who own and operate the newest Academy of Martial Arts in Plymouth, Minnesota. They're both brown belts in BJJ. John is climbing the ranks in the UFC and Josh comes from a military combat background. Yet another shout out to THE Academy in Brooklyn Center for allowing us to record, and without further ado, my conversation with John and Josh. Alright, cool. So the first thing we're going to talk about is the new gym. That's the whole point of this. You guys <laughs> opened up a gym, so let's make sure people find out about it. Absolutely. And I figure we'll talk about uh, Path to Black Belt stuff. Sure. Everybody Black Belts? Browns. 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 Yeah. That's the end of the show. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm out, guys. Sorry. <laughs> See you guys later. Now, we'll, uh, let's tell me about the gym right off the bat. Yeah. Uh, our, our new gym, we're an affiliate school, obviously, of the Academy here, HQ. We're in Plymouth, Minnesota, so not too far from, uh, from Brooklyn Center here, maybe 15, 20-minute drive. We are, um, right now, we're kind of starting, starting a little bit smaller uh, in the terms of like a uh, size so we are subleasing out of a already existing karate school called shoshin ru um, so it's right off there off of 55 highway 55 uh, kind of like right in the heart of the industrial plymouth area but uh yeah it's going well we uh we chose this this path to kind of keep our keep our overhead costs at uh, at a minimum you know mm -hmm. right off the bat for sure so you know where the, this already existing uh school is kind of you know they're they're the ones paying the rent the bills the utilities we just you know we pay our percentage of overall gross sales to them to the owner yeah. um and basically we just get to use their space so obviously there's pros and cons to that but uh yeah our our the new school is is rocking and rolling up in plymouth yeah, it's a super slick way to do it. Absolutely. Saves you all the headache and the, the extra stress of, like, the whole thing depends on you staying open. Absolutely. How's that space? Is that pretty pretty nice or pretty stripped down and basic or what? I've never been in there. Yeah, so when we first got there, it was a little uh, – so imagine, I think, maybe, what, 2,000 square feet, I'd say? Let's go with that, yeah. 2,000 square feet, and I, probably, like, 600 of it only was, was matted. The rest oh, of it, really? yeah. The rest of it was um, almost like this karate style carpet. 
Um, uh, it wasn't. It was very short lived. So we we now have the full area, the full room, uh, fully matted, uh, new Fuji mats, and that was kind of uh, a combination of us kind of getting in the owner's ear and you know our success versus their. Uh, I'm sorry, our success with their success, and you know they want right. to work on their ground skills as well. So yeah, yeah, and it lets you make kind of a contribution right off the bat. Absolutely, too. that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> how long has this thing been in the works? Like, how long have you guys been thinking about opening up one? Um, I think we've been open just a couple months, maybe How long July-ish. Have you thinking about it though, like when did so, we start? To- the seed was kind of planted in my brain probably a while back, um, but military obligations. I was living in North Carolina, things like that. Like, so it's all kind of uh, fits in with the things that I wanted to do in my life, but at yeah. a later date. So I knew I didn't, it wasn't something I wanted to do back then. Well, I, back then I knew it was something I wanted to do, but now that I moved back to Minnesota, it's something um, that I can actually implement and it's the right, the timing's right. It is kind of a classic military thing. Like you got to wait for them to stop kicking you around the country and have some <laughs> consistency in your life a little bit before you can like really put roots down. Huh? Yeah. You got to, had to make sure I, I satisfied or did a lot of things in my military career that I wanted to do uh, and get that stuff out of the way and um, be happy with that before I can focus on this. Because once, once you open a gym, like it's you're there. It's one location that you're tied to. So All-consuming yeah. generally too. How long have you been in the military? Uh, over 20 years. Which branch? Uh, Army. Like it? So... Everything's got its pros and cons, ups and downs. This could be one of those parts we cut too, yeah. <laughs> depending on what you said. No, I I like it though. Um, so went in right after high school and um, uh, still currently in. So, uh, so I'm in the twilight years of it now. But I got my 20 year letter last September. So, but um, now every year that I'm in, I have to sign a memo. Um, so they retain me. <laughs> Sign uh, a memo? That well, mean? I have to submit a memo, like, hopefully that they retain you, you know, justifying why the military should hang on to you after 20 years. So you basically ask them to keep you. Yeah. You don't kick me out just yet. Yep. Is 20 years, like, full retirement, so to speak? Is it that, is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you can, the longer you go, the more your retirement is after 20 uh, and stuff like that. I was about so. to say, well, hit it, yeah. man. Get out of there. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, if you can pad the coffers a little bit more, that makes some sense. Yeah. Um. You got big plans for the gym? You're going to have your own big space like uh, HQ here? Is that the goal eventually? Yeah, for sure. Um, You know, we're we're obviously like we kind of touched base on a little bit. We're taking it slow. Our, you know, our members are are incrementally growing month by month. So our our goal is by 2024. At some point in 2024, uh, we're moving to our own space. Still going to be in Plymouth, obviously, just because I feel like most of these, most of our students already are are committing to the school because of the location, right? So we're not going to just all of a sudden move cities. So we'll, we'll open up our space um, in Plymouth. And yeah, essentially we're, we're trying to have a super, super nice gym, you know, just like HQ here, matted areas, uh, you know, a workout a fitness facility with weights, treadmills, stuff like that. That's just eventually the goal. Um, and yeah, I think that it's it's not too far-fetched to, to say that at some point in, in 2024, that's we're going to make the move over. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Is it you, your class set up for the full gamut of things? Like, do I, can I have an MMA class? Can I have a jiu-jitsu class? Can yeah. I have like a Muay Thai class? Or what, for what sure. So right on? now, like I was kind of touching base on earlier, the pros and cons of having a uh, a sublease out of out of an already existing school. The uh, one of the cons is that our schedule is 100% correlated to 
their schedule, right? So they're already an existing school. They have an established schedule. So we kind of have to work our classes into the areas that fit in, right? Obviously, when we open up our own space and our own school, that will open up full reins to our schedule. So yes, right now we only offer uh, jiu-jitsu and Muay Thai. So obviously when we open up our own school, we'll offer the whole works, jiu-jitsu, Muay Thai, we'll have boxing, we'll have wrestling classes, MMA foundations, regular MMA classes, you know, kids programs at some point. So yeah, we're, we're definitely going to keep the up. lights on the kids. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> yep. You guys, you like teaching kids or, or do you need to bring somebody in for that? No, I, oh, I you there? no, I, I, I think we're both really, really good with kids Yeah. Um, from what, what we've talked about and chatted with. So I think we'll, we'll definitely be part of that program, but uh, personally, I think yeah, we'll probably take a step back, <laughs> but we can we can absolutely do it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Seems to be especially if you're going to be like out in the burbs, absolutely with with like a with your gym, kind of like I'm assuming the karate school there. You know, I, I would assume the foundation of their business is their kids' classes. I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A little tricky for MMA or whatever, but jujitsu sure. and maybe like boxing skills, you can sell that class to the to the moms out there in the burbs. Absolutely. And I say the moms out there in the burbs, but you guys are actually the closest to where I live. Like I could almost run to your school. Yeah. And I'd look at me. I'm not running very far. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I dig. I dig the idea of like, hey, there's some mats down the street here in Plymouth because yeah. I live in Plymouth too. That's awesome. That's pretty cool. Building a competition team and stuff. I mean, I'll be doing the whole thing. I'm assuming, right? Yeah. I. Uh, jiu-jitsu competition or MMA competition? You tell I me. I think bro. essentially. I mean, eventually, yeah, we from what I have gathered with Josh is eventually, obviously we'll kind of naturally fall into a a natural jujitsu competition team. Right. Um, but MMA, I think we're going to keep it to HQ. HQ has kind of always been the, the, uh, foundation for like an MMA team, like an athletic competitive team. And I think that's kind of how we're going to leave it. You know, I'll, I'll continue to do some, some training here, obviously for my upcoming fights. And, um, I think that's kind of how we plan on, on leaving it for mixed martial arts, but for sure, jujitsu competition team. Absolutely. Yeah, is that is that sort of by design? Like under Greg, is 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 it sort of like we're gonna keep the MMA thing centralized out of here as as people branch out? No, not not mentioned no. by Greg specifically. It was just kind of something that me and Josh came up with together, and yeah. it just makes sense. Greg is Greg's the heart and soul of the MMA team. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So having him and and trying to do have a, trying to have an MMA team here and somewhere else, I think it would be completely different. Like I was kind of saying, Greg's, sure. Greg's kind of like the heart and soul of the MMA program. So, yeah. uh, it's, I think Don't it's always going to you know. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's always going to say here at HQ. Sure. That's cool. Yeah. So I like, uh, maybe the, the metric would be if, uh, cause, cause we're going to have MMA classes, right? So we'll initially we'll have John teaching some MMA classes and, uh, for people that want to learn MMA, but they don't have a desire to compete or people that, uh, maybe want to compete amateur, but like once people kind of make the jump to the pro level, like the Academy is definitely the place to be. So if, if all the academies kind of had, I don't know, we'd kind of be part, part in the team, separating the team a little bit, but if you have one central location where everybody's kind of serious, that's their professional job and that's what they want to do. Everybody should, you know, cause you just make the team that much stronger for sure. You get that you, many people coming and you see it kind of naturally happening already. So we got, you know, young up and comers who started off at other academies, Academy Elk rivers, Burnsville, Eden Prairie. And now they're here just training their mixed martial arts or MMA with the MMA team. So they're still at their home gyms for everything else, but this is where you want to train MMA. Sure. It's kind of, you kind of got B squad or, or junior varsity exactly. out there available, but there's a point at which you need to make the jump. And right. Yep. So exactly. and that's kind of, you know, when it depends when somebody's going, when someone becomes that serious, then 
that's right. the jump kind of yeah kind of uh but uh john taught uh coached coached a bjj comp uh for a couple guys that are out of uh operating out of our gym the other week yeah yeah well that was at the um Minnetonka High School is that what the there's a Hopkins Junior Hopkins, High Hopkins the grappling High industry yeah the grappling yeah, Hopkins Junior yeah. High it's yep. kind of always there yeah right next to the pool yeah that's why it's so fucking hot in there for the is record. that why the pool is next door it is super hot <laughs> so bad there dude I thought just, just and I've only I was... been there taking pictures I'm like laying on the ground taking yeah. pictures and just sweating like I'm not <laughs> sweating anything. I was sweating in a t-shirt and I'm like man am I really like this fat right now I'm just like walking around <laughs> it's a little bit of that, yeah for, yeah. Sure, <laughs> for sure but also yeah the pool is next door. <laughs> That's so stupid, but they get a cons- consistent venue. Yeah. So you're like five, six months in, you're already taking guys to tournaments, huh? Yeah. Were they Quick new to you? Or are they like organically your students or guys that kind of followed you? Uh, nope. New to us. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. We've never, the three students that competed that day, we've never uh, had past experience sure. with them, but they do have past uh, jiu-jitsu experience. Oh, sure, not, sure. not much, but. Yeah. yeah. How'd we do? What's that? How'd they do? Um, honestly, 500. Both. Uh, both guys uh, that I was there coaching went, they went two and two, and then one of them went four and four, and they did the uh, yeah, so pretty good. It was it was nice, yeah. and then one of them I actually didn't get to uh, get to coach at all. So, how do you do? How do you do? I think he went one and two. See, yeah, gotta have a coach so right there. I know, right? <laughs> you gotta, <laughs> you gotta, gotta have, have a coach. Have somebody <laughs> yelling, you, you know. Be five hundred and can't, up. can't be more coach. than one spot at once, but you <laughs> yeah. know, you gotta try. But no, it was cool. It was. Uh, Obviously, you know, going there and we see a lot of familiar faces with the, you know, Coach Greg was there and I just, a lot of the coaches from maybe Eden Prairie, Burnsville, Hayden was there. Actually, one of my students went against, uh, one yes. of our students went against one of Hayden's students. Yes. So Academy Plymouth versus uh, Academy Eden Prairie. And honest, it was, it was fun to watch, but we lost. Zero to two. <laughs> Points, zero to two. Sure, sure. Well, that'll be cool because those two guys will keep doing it, and they'll end up here on Fridays rolling together, and talking about the good old days, you know, when they didn't know what they were doing. Right, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, the one student of ours is here right now yep. on the mats right now. Yep, nice. And then See. eventually, those those guys will just be watching on the mats, and the coaches will go at it. Me and Hayden will go at it. So, <laughs> just a, an ongoing grudge match over yeah. and over and over. <laughs> uh, fighting is weird. Fighting is weird. Even <laughs> recreational fighting is weird. For sure. Josh, you an MMA guy, or, or what's your deal? Like, I I know he's uh, an MMA guy. Like, I'm a jujitsu only and mostly in okay. the gi because it's slower. I'd, yeah, I'd put myself <laughs> in the, the jujitsu category. Yeah. Um, I've had some amateur fights. Uh, did my smokers at the academy here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty awesome. Sean Shirk was in my corner for my smokers, so that was a huge. You know, boost of confidence. Don't even remember how it went, but Sean was there, so it looked cool. <laughs> yeah, right? amazing. <laughs> um, I woke up and Sean was still there. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, I won. I won. I just um, did some uh, uh, military MMA competitions. So uh, took second place in uh, the All Army Combatives tournament. So a lot of other guys, some other gyms, have competed in that too. Cody Lincoln out of uh, the Fargo ACA. Sean Steppens was in that. Yeah. Uh, God, I'm going to leave out a bunch of names now that I started naming them. See, man, but, you, uh, you got to just say, love all you guys. Yeah. That's the way to do yeah. it. You're forget one and be in trouble. Yeah. Sorry, everybody else. Um, Cut. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so did did that. Um, uh, was on the same fight card as Tim Kennedy. Greg Nelson, awesome. He flew down on his own dime to, to corner me in that event. 
they made him a guest referee. So nice. it was pretty cool. Um, Compete in some other military tournaments. Uh, was it the uh, when I was uh, in the Minnesota National Guard back in the day? Um, Minnesota National Guard team took second two years in a row. So they're the best team National Guard wise. Teams would show up from. Uh, uh, it was at Fort Benning, Georgia. Teams would show up from Guam, um, Hawaii, brought like a full team as well. And uh, I think Illinois had a few guys on the Ultimate Fighter that showed up. And uh, it, was, it was really cool kind of competition. Um, so people come from literally the other side of the world. The The rule sets are pretty different. So it's uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu rules. You're competing in your military army fatigue. So it's kind of like gi jiu-jitsu. You get past that to the semifinals, and it's uh, more like pancreas rules. So you're wearing a gi, closed fist to the body, open hand, open palm to the face, and you can submit and all that. And then the finals is in a cage, and now you're wearing shorts. So now it's just kind of no gi, MMA rules. Um, so, <laughs> so the tournament escalates to a yeah. looser and looser, so to speak. Yep. Uh, rule set. So. So you get more and more beat. Your reward for winning and doing well is getting more and more beat up. Yeah, yeah pretty much. So that's yeah, <laughs> that's perfect. So the the thought process being is that uh, so any any soldier can enter the tournaments and the ones that are newer or maybe not the best trained kind of get weeded out yeah. and maybe the jujitsu prelims so they don't make it to uh, they're not getting you know somebody's only been doing it for a few months they're not getting their face smashed in. It's only the the better guys kind of make it to the. Uh, the higher rule sets. It's like a movie. Like it feels raw, like a bunch of dudes in camo pants fighting, letting the weaklings fall <laughs> away, and they're just stripping clothes off like as that, they climb the ranks. And that top alphas yeah. at the end. And, and there's no, there's no uh, top end weight class. Like I got a buddy. Um, he's out of the military now, but Braden Simonet. He's like, he was at the time he competed. He was six six, three hundred pounds. Uh, he literally ripped um, someone's. Gi, gi jacket or army fatigue their their camo top like off of them and uh i don't think the refs really know what to do right then so <laughs> he ripped the guys oh. off of his so then he just okay he takes his gi top off and then they just kept going at it like <laughs> honestly this is a movie what are we talking about yeah, you're describing a movie <laughs> that's fucking awesome so, that's pretty cool yeah it's cool different different rule sets the unfortunate part for that is if uh, somebody were to be a boxer, they they may not make it past the jujitsu rounds if their their jujitsu isn't um, up to speed. Yeah, yeah, or at a certain level. So, sure. well, then you just stand up so you can box again. <laughs> <laughs> Easy. So, um, wait, wait, how do how do I hear about this kind of a tournament? Like, can can uh, what do you civvy or whatever? Can I come check this out? <laughs> well, I've never even heard of this. So they used to run one army wide, and then um, every. Not every, but most of the states, the National Guard states, would run their own tournaments, just uh, field a team to figure out who they're going to send. So it would be based off of uh, like competition merit. Uh, so Minnesota would hold a tournament up at Camp Ripley, and then whoever you know placed at that, then they would send to the All-Guard tournament, and then they would send that team to the All-Army tournament to compete. Um, uh, so I think the competitions have been in Georgia, Texas, um, but... Uh, they quit running them, I don't know, maybe mm. 2012-ish time frame. So once the big army quit running them, um, then the National Guard kind of quit running their tournaments, so the states quit running their tournaments. So 
every major active duty post still runs an annual tournament, but it's really just for the people on that active duty post. Sure. Because every post, active duty would run their tournament to see who they're going to send to compete in the All-Army. And some teams, some posts are all about it. Like Texas would send an A team and a B team. Like It's very Texas. Yeah, really cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Colton Smith was on that team. Oh, he was sure, sure. on the Ultimate Fighter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. It seems like a, almost a cool way to get around sanctioning bodies and stuff. It's like, we're the Army. We'll do whatever we want. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Very Army answer. Nice work. <laughs> yeah. John, give me your rundown. Where you been and where are you now? Uh, yeah, so my come up was obviously more so on the mixed martial arts side, right? I started, uh, my first exposure to martial arts was in 2009. I uh, started training jiu-jitsu over at Guerrilla Combat in Chanhassen, Minnesota. Um, instantly got hooked. I uh, went to college in 2011, uh, wrestled at the Minnesota State University of Mankato for all of half a year, and then I met Dan Moret. Dan Moret uh, introduced me to the Mankato MMA club. So it wasn't even like, a, it was kind of, it was on campus, right? Room PH 104. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I met him cause he would actually do like some cross training with the wrestlers as well. Mm -hmm. So I met him and he was basically, he was telling me about mixed martial arts and he um, invited me to a couple of their practices. And the classic answer is honestly, I fall right into it as I, I got to wrestle and I got to punch people in the face at the same time. And I was like, I like this a lot more than, <laughs> than just wrestling. Right. So started training full-time MMA, uh, quit wrestling. Uh, my first coach was Ray white, Mankato martial arts it kind of instilled some, some good, uh, some really good techniques and, and just like a good foundation, I guess, for like MMA. And so I was, became basically a full-time athlete at that point. I, I was doing full-time school, full-time MMA, went through the ranks of, uh, of college and was, uh, was fighting a lot amateur. I fought 17 times, mostly local here, mostly in Minnesota, 17 times in Minnesota, or I'm sorry, 17 times amateur, uh, turned pro while I was in college as well. And then, um, hold on 17 in what time frame? Like how many years? I'd say four years, bruh. Yeah. I was fighting. Sometimes I fought three times in one month. So, and I, so I was in college, I know. So I was in college and, um, how it works is you can you can fight most of the times when you fight even if you're not injured and you're super unscathed like it they'll slap you with a 30-day suspension so what i would do is i would fight let's say i remember one time i fought march 3rd okay so i fought march march 3rd in minnesota uh march 23rd in yankton south dakota and then um the first of that very next month in brookings is that does that sound like a, a city, Brookings, South yeah, Dakota, yeah, or something yeah, like that? One of the North bigger Dakota? ones, close, yeah. close to our edge. So of within the state. like thirty yeah. days, I fought three times, and I I took it serious. But I, I just remember at that that very last fight, it was um, it was like the the weekend before a big, big like party event. So I was like out partying in Mankato. Of course, you have to, right? And I was taking it serious, but I was just like, man, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like fighting so frequently, but I also want to enjoy like the college life. So I was like partying and, and training anyways, 
I was fighting a lot when I was amateur and I was trying to, I was beating the systems by just going to different states, right? There was this promotion that, that was called tri-state cage fighting, which was Iowa, South Dakota, North Dakota. And so I'd toggle between those three states and then Minnesota. So I'd get slapped with 30 day suspensions, but I'd just go to a different state to fight because it's all based on athletic commissions, right? If I'm suspended for 30 days and I can't compete in Minnesota, that doesn't say that I can't go to Iowa and fight that very next weekend. So I did that a lot. <laughs> and, uh, um, yeah, racked up like 17, 17 fights in four years. Um, Explain the suspension, though. Like you're like automatically suspended after a yeah. fight. Like you're kind of sanctioned, like don't Correct. or unsanctioned, if you will. Like yeah. you don't get to fight. Exactly. For it's your almost, own it's almost just safety. like it's almost just for like uh, liability reasons. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Health and safety, absolutely. That's yeah. like the core premises, but right. uh, mostly just uh, you know they're kind of covering, covering their, their ass, yeah sure. liability wise, yeah. right? The 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 athletic commission of Minnesota says, okay, you just fought, even though you won in let's say a minute, took no no damage. But still, we're going to give you a mandatory 30-day suspension just because, you know, whatever, um, just to kind of protect yourself. But that's that was the minimum. So let's say you had a hard fight or you got knocked out or something. They would slap you with 90 days of no competition in the state. So sometimes when you get, you know, when you get um, a little bit more injured or have a little bit more of a tougher battle, they'll they'll give you a two or three month suspension. So still there was ways around that, right? You could kind of just toggle between the different states. Um, just cross the border and you're good. I know, right? It's now safe to fight again. Right. Good, good organization, <laughs> learning good organizational skills. Yep, yeah. exactly. He also fought uh, at uh, a tournament in Mexico. He fought a couple times. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So uh, did that all throughout college. Um, trained at Mankato, the MMA club and graduated from school in 2016. Uh, graduated with a uh, double major in criminal law and Spanish. So I wanted to be an immigration case manager, working with like, um, obviously Latin American families because I'm Latin and growing up, I kind of, my family dealt with a lot of immigration issues, you know, and so I kind of, it kind of hit home for mm -hmm. me and I wanted to kind of help that that area of the world right. and that, you know, that specific uh, group of people. So graduated with that. I honestly only went to college because my mom wanted me to. So I did that for her. I uh, graduated school and I had, kind of had the option. I was like, okay, I can go into <clears throat> full-time work or I can pursue MMA. Obviously, MMA is like such a, it's a young man's sport, right? I can't, I can't be like, no, you know what? I'm going to get in the workforce and yeah. come back to this later on in my mid-20s or right. my, you know, early 30s, whatever. So I basically had an option at that point after school. It was either full-time work or full-time MMA. I obviously opted out of working. And I just said, I'm going to move to the academy. So I moved here in 2016 full-time and basically started training MMA. Uh, fought a couple times locally. <clears throat> and then I got picked up by this promotion called uh, Combate Americas, which is like a Latin-based promotion. So I think that's where Josh was talking about. I fought a lot of times in uh, the southern part of the United States, but also in I had a couple tournaments in like Mexico. I had a eight-man tournament, eight-man one-night tournament for this company. Um, I know, gladiator style. It's like old-school UFC. Yeah, it was three fights in one night if you made it to the finals, which I did. So I fought. Um, Again, your reward for doing well is getting your ass beat more. Exactly. <laughs> what a yeah. weird sport. So we're not too different, you and I. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, uh, that was part of that promotion. Um, that was no more than, like, five years ago, four or five years ago. So it's, you know, fairly recent. And, uh, yeah, it was fun. It was fun after that. I had a contender series fight. In 2018, I won my my contender series fight, but the other fights on that card were just super exciting, way more exciting than my fight. So 
uh, a lot of people got contracts. I unfortunately did not. So I went back to the promotion that I fought for, the Latin-based promotion, fought a couple more times there, and then I got into the UFC in 2019, 2019, and been there ever since. So I fight for the UFC now. I um, haven't been as active as I'd like, but I've had six fights in the last... Almost three and a half years, right? <laughs> well, it feels active as fuck. I got to be honest. Yeah, it Six seems fights. like it seems like a lot. Is that not a lot? I mean, it, I guess it, it it depends. So, like, obviously, like the story that I just told you, you know, going from fighting in amateurs three times in a month, right. and then even in my early pro career, I was fighting at least four times a year, so once every three months. And you know, six six times in the last three years, it kind of averages out to like twice a year, right? Yeah. Which is it's fairly active, but it's. I'd like it to be more active. It seems like it would de facto be less frequent fights as you climb the levels. For sure. Look at an amateur level, like that was a 30-second fight. I took him down. He tapped the strikes. Right. Kind of, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like It seems like as everybody levels up and evens up, yeah. you, can't, you just can't do for a sure. bunch of fights every year. And I think it also depends on like which uh, division you're into. So I'm in the Bantamweight division. I fight at 135, and that's one of the most like stacked deepest divisions in the ufc in my opinion and honestly like the common the common opinion as well right so it's kind of hard to find fights if that makes sense so i'll fight one time and then it's kind of hard to like match match uh future fights so that i think Mm. that's maybe why i'm not as active as i was in other promotions is that an exclusive contract situation too yeah so i can only see ufc UFC. it's only ufc yep it's kind of a dumb question but no no you never never know no because some actually some fighters are non-exclusive and obviously i think they're maybe more of like the popular fighters where where they'll they'll be able to fight a ufc fight and then have a big time boxing fight you know Mm -hmm. or a big time whatever kind of fight and well even dan moret i think he's bellator right now right sure and he said they're cool about him doing other stuff like because his last thing got canceled and it's like well i'm looking to make some money our event got canceled it sounds like they're a little more flexible about for sure it. no they absolutely are yeah and i think Beltor just got bought out by pfl so i think that's true yeah, yeah. so now i think they're i think they're back to being a little bit more like stern mm-hmm. on their contracts yeah sure yeah what's your goal with ufc my immediate goal is obviously be a top 15 fighter which so 2023 i i won all my fights this year and I'm hoping for a big fight here come March. So there's a couple couple different names on the. I think I'm going to be fighting a uh, a uh, top 15 fighter, um, which Latin, then helps you Latin based fighter, right? Yeah, fighter. exactly. My my immediate goal with the UFC is obviously you know step by step, but first and foremost, I want to I want to be a top 15 guy and then kind of keep working my way up the ladder. But to get there, um, hopefully I'm fighting this this fighter Latin based fighter. He's in the top 15 right now. Obviously, if I beat him, I replace his ranking, right? So I'll, I will not be a top 15. And then after that, we'll kind of reevaluate. But um, these last, like, three, three, four years have been have been great. Obviously, when I first started mixed martial arts 13 years ago, it was the goal from the get-go was I want to be in the UFC one day, mm-hmm. right? And so that goal was accomplished. After that, I wanted to... My, my immediate goal was I obviously want to win fights in the UFC. It's one thing getting into the UFC, but you want to win fights. You want to establish yourself. So obviously, you know, I got four wins in the UFC. I'm, I'm right there. Um, next goal, be in the top 15, hopefully on the, on the, you know, on the door. I'm knocking the door on that one as well. So after that, we'll reevaluate. We'll make some more short-term goals and, yeah, 
It's kind of how I like to do it. Who's wearing the belt for that, for the Bantams right now? Right now? Yeah. Sean O'Malley. Oh, it is Sean. Sugar okay. Sean O'Malley. Yep. I, I, so he knocked out Aljamain Sterling this past year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which yeah. Uh, I've actually gotten a chance to train with uh, with Aljamain Sterling at the UFC PI, and um, he's tough. He's a tough grappler. He's a you know he's a big dude for the for the division. So he's actually up a weight class now. He's at one forty five. But yeah, Sugar Sean, he's a good guy, good boxer, good hands. Um, dumb hair, but whatever. Dumb hair. <laughs> <laughs> No, I feel like... I think I watched that fight. I just yeah. never track what weight class I'm looking at. Yeah. Like, big guys make sense to me. Everybody else is just like the For other sure. weight yeah. classes. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm always like, well, who's 135, 145? Yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> yep. No, and that makes sense. But, yeah, Sugar Sean. And honestly, <clears throat> I feel like with the Bantamweight division, how I was talking about earlier, it's like everybody in the in the top 15 is so close in skill level that anybody anybody can compete for the belt. You know, and so that's why I think that it's super special and important to to make a crack into the top fifteen in this division, just because anything can happen, right? If you look at even just a couple of months ago, Sean's this is a middleweight division, which is a little bit different, obviously, but he was the number eighth ranked fighter, and he fought the champion Israel Adesanya, and he won. So you know what I mean? It just kind of goes to show that mm-hmm. rankings don't really mean anything, and yeah. anybody in the top ten, top fifteen can can fight for the belt and compete and be competitive. Right. So Each of those guys is inches apart, not miles. For sure. Right. Absolutely. So and especially there. in the Bantamweight division. I think that maybe in other divisions, uh, the gap is a little bit further apart. But with the Bantamweight divisions, everyone everyone's good at wrestling. Everyone's good at boxing. Everyone's you know got good conditioning. It's all about who shows up that night, I think. So Why? Why, why that weight class? Why is it so stacked and tight? And I'm not sure, to be honest. I think maybe my opinion is... Uh, and maybe this is dumb to think of it this way, but I feel like you're average man. So you think of like an average size guy, right? 6'2", yeah, 245. <laughs> yeah, get out of here. <laughs> depends on the family, yeah, bro. Yeah, it depends on the family. No, I think, I mean, how tall are you? About six foot. Six foot? Like right even, I think. I mean, I think you're well on the, on the tall side of like people on earth, right? Mm-hmm. If you think of like your average sure. man, okay? I'm going to say 5'7", five, 5'8", Fifty-five. That's like your average human being. If you were to take like in southern Mexico, like, yeah, that's, southern Mexico. <laughs> yeah, what are you talking about, bro? I'm Nordic people. Right, I'm like five right. seven. Man. I'm just kidding, <laughs> but no, I, th- I think you're. I think you're not not off. Like in the U.S., average male height is what five nine, something like that. Five, but weight wise, right, like fifty-five. Yeah, we're talking one fifty-five, sure. one sixty, and that's like the weight for most of these bantam weights. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like I guess what I'm saying is there's more people at that weight class that are cutting down to 135. That's like your average common athlete, right? Mm-hmm. That's the mm-hmm. size of them whether it be the height or the the weight. But there there's a lot more of the bantam weight. So then when you get into the top 15, it's like you had a lot more to choose from, right? Whereas in these other weight classes you didn't have as much to choose from. Sure. It's like like powerlifting meets the in the men's side the the weight classes that land in that like 175 to 200. Yeah kind of roughly your average guy, but average guy who's been slinging iron for, for a sure. few years kind right, of thing. Right. Those are always the most populated for categories. Sure. There's a couple of fat guys in the big one, a couple of short yeah. dudes in the small one, and right, then everybody right. else right in the middle. That makes and, that's, sense. and that's obviously my theory. I don't, you know, obviously I got no, no science to prove it, but. Yeah. <laughs> you, is that, was that uh, McGregor's weight? McGregor was, uh, he started out at 145 yeah. in the UFC and then ended up at 155. And he actually fought, 
Nate Diaz at 170. So he's kind of been all over the spectrum. Yeah, a little more yoked these days. For sure. But you think something like that, like he was a hugely visible, popular figure. You think <laughs> that drives guys roughly in that weight class to to come and compete or, oh, or, or even just us regular schmoes like yeah that guy's my size cool. absolutely you know yeah so it was so popular it seems like that would that would cause an inflection and in interest in super popular and it's like i think that once you're you know to a high once you're a household name like that so he yeah. fought like i said he meant uh he fought at 145 155 and 170 but when he fought at 170 he was fighting another 155 pounder they just decided hey we don't we don't want to cut weight let's yeah. just fight at 170 which is kind of the perks that that this game has when you become a really popular you know household name you can kind of call the shots the who terms. you're fighting mm -hmm. what weight you want to fight at you know even though yeah you can kind of pick and choose you like that weight class 135 yeah i hate it I uh it's kind of why I asked. I sort of assumed. Right now I am uh, we can cut we don't have to cut this out. Right now I'm 174. Yeah. So I weigh 174. I think everybody would assume that. Yeah. <laughs> 15 20 pound cut is kind of normal like you right. know, across a training camp or whatever, right? No, I weigh 174 and I fight at 135. Yeah. So that's like a 40 pound weight cut. Nah, yeah, it's 15 20. Yeah. <laughs> Close yeah. enough. So, um honestly and kind of to fall back on the uh the busyness of like my career it's I, I think that's part of the reason why i'm not able to stay as active as i'd like to so i've been off, i've fought six times for the ufc but i've probably been offered maybe 10 or 11 fights total and i've had to say no to a lot of them because it's short notice or not short notice but shorter notice maybe like four to six weeks and i walk really heavy and when i'm not in fight camp i walk really heavy i'm always training i'm training year-round full-time but it's the diet that changes for me when i have a fight confirmed and not confirmed right so for me to be able to make 135 in four to six weeks it's just it's impossible i need a full eight to 12 weeks notice and you know yeah start functionally impossible for you'd sure be, you'd be trashed i could do it yeah but i i would have a terrible would fight. not go well yeah gotcha, gotcha. So. do you graduate up a weight class at some point i think so i think i have to the older i get it's it's kind of yeah. it's kind of the, my impression of the arc of all those guys like eventually you go yeah. up a class last handful of fights and then for sure go get that law enforcement job exactly yeah. <laughs> make your mom proud yeah right, right? <laughs> seems to be the arc anyhow. right right <coughs> i'm gonna have to actually edit this one i hate that because this cough thing COVID. generally we just flow and we let it go and i yeah. just post it it's awesome <laughs> Okay, let's talk, talk some uh, coaching philosophy. Yeah. If I show up to Academy Plymouth, what do I expect in well, terms of approach as like a new guy or I've trained somewhere else or how do you guys like to, to teach fighting? Yeah, well, right off the bat, we'll, we'll uh, not welcome you because you like the gi. So we're <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Exclusively yeah, no gi. I'm just kidding. Yeah, right now we're exclusively no exclusively no gi. But um, why do you say right now? Because as I kind of touched base on earlier, mm -hmm. when we get our own space, our schedule is going to open up yep. a lot, and we'll gotcha. implement gi for sure. You know, yeah. stick to stick to our roots for sure. Mm -hmm. um, basically, have a lot of the similar classes that HQ has here. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So as as of right now, um, sometimes we have really small classes. Uh, some days are uh, bigger, relatively speaking. But some days, you know, maybe 
uh, one or two people show up for morning class, so it's not it's not a ton. So I love those days. It's when it's just me and somebody else, and we kind of Q and A. Basically, a private yeah. lesson. It's right? awesome. Yeah, pretty much it. So then it can that can kind of become a private lesson. So whatever mm-hmm. they want to work on, or hey, we could start it out with. Some days I, I do start it out with a, what are you guys struggling with? Any questions? What do you want to, anything you want to work on or problems from the other roles you want to try to address? Or should we just, you know, you want me to pick something? So It's like the best possible way to do it. If, so, if you have a small enough crew, yeah. literally what's most pertinent to you right now. I love that. You, you can't do it with a big group of people. you got to have right. the central lesson. Yeah, so tell them to relish it. And you're like, all right, you guys are member number two and three and four relish these moments because there's going to be 40 people in the room with us right. in a couple of years. I think Absolutely. a lot of our students kind of get it and see it too because they, they specifically mention that. They absolutely this, this, do. You know, today was awesome. It was great. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. And I think, so I teach most of the uh, the evening classes. Josh will do a lot of the morning. I'll do a lot of the evening. And some of the, I wouldn't say issues that I run into, but um, kind of like the uh, the outlook of the classes trying to balance, trying to find a good balance between a lot of these beginner zero experienced jiu-jitsu players who are, you know, first trying, trying out the sport. And then I have a couple purple belts in the, in the same exact class. Right. So that kind of goes back to the pros and cons of, um, being out of a already existing school and the schedule behind it. Right. So obviously once we open up our own space, we're going to have an intro level jiu-jitsu class. And then after that, after that class, we might have a more advanced jiu-jitsu class. So as of right now, it's kind of like, it's a class that's catering to all, right? So a lot of fundamentals and stuff, which the higher belts, which we don't have a lot, but the, the experienced jiu-jitsu guys that we have, they absolutely appreciate it, you know, and, and they get it. They can, you can never drill or work on fundamentals enough, right? So they get it. And then they, of course, get it when we go, when we roll live. And, you know, we, me and Josh try to humble them all. So. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. yeah. But no, that's, uh, I wouldn't say it's like an issue. I think that's kind of like the, uh, the biggest takeaway that I'm getting at from my evening classes is trying to find a good balance between the very, very beginner level and the more experienced guys. Well, the cool thing about that, though, like, uh, like Aaron is purple belt. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If he asks something about a Kimura setup, New guy is going, a what setup? Right. And then he's going to watch it, and he's now learned something. For sure. It might not have been what you were explaining, but he's taking pieces from it. Absolutely. And I'm watching it as like a trash blue belt going, oh, yeah, I put my hands backward every time. That's yeah. why my Kimura suck. Okay, cool. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? Like, no matter what level you're explaining to, yeah. everybody can pull a chunk off of the explanation. Absolutely. That's why group classes work so well. Yeah. I might, I, yeah, I might not ever touch this barambolo thing they're going over today yeah but there's a piece of that that applies to something i know foot yeah. placement you know or something and it's now away. been like and you now are familiar with the term at least you know yeah so yeah yeah and that's actually a really good example i've had that happen various times throughout class where aaron specifically mm-hmm. will ask a question and one of the newer guys will kind of pull me aside and he's like hey can you show me that again i'm what? like absolutely like yeah. let's let's go do it uh, or if we're in the middle of class. I'll stay after class and I'll kind of dissect it a little bit further into detail, right? For the less experienced guys. So, yeah, yeah it's a good. Just trying to find that balance. It's 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 been fun and it's been challenging at the same time. For sure, it's also that you get as the lower belt guy you get to try it on the guy who asked the question and have right. him shut me down, and then I really yeah. know right. what the lesson was. Absolutely. Sure. 
sick, man. It's just this weird. It's a smoker, Scott. If you smoke. <laughs> <laughs> Edit. Depends, Cut. On, depends on the the form that I'm filling out. Stogie now. It depends on the form I'm filling out. Life insurance? No. Huh? <laughs> no. Don't look. Don't don't look at that random. Never Instagram. smoked a day in my life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, feel free if you want to take that. By the way, that's going to be a very long, detailed conversation. Oh, yeah. Definitely don't yeah. take it. What else you got? What do you think? Um, so in terms of kind of the question that you asked earlier just about um, coaching strategies and stuff, you know, trying to, I think I kind of touched base on just trying to find a happy medium for all of our members, right? And I think we're all on the same page coaching members that, you know, this is kind of a work in progress. It's a, we're very much in the beginning stages of our of our gym, and they find they find uh, happiness and perks of that, you know. So we're just being patient. We're trusting the process, and it's kind of just naturally growing and growing. So it's a, I feel like it's an advantageous place to be as a member of a gym, as a new gym. Like you literally get some say in how it changes and develops and what's available and stuff. Hundred like, percent. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna use their feedback directly because they're yeah. the people coming in right now, the right? Founding members, yeah. <laughs> like our yeah. our members will they'll they'll text us and directly, and they, I mean they have direct access to us with text messages, and it's yeah. us responding. So because we're small enough, where we mm-hmm. can still do that and give them awesome. that individual. I remember when we I, this isn't happening anymore because we got a little bit more members, uh, but I remember when we first opened up, it was just a few people in our classes and evening classes, and I sometimes it was just. Aaron and another blue belt, you know, and mm-hmm. I, and I was like, all right, what do you guys want to go over? Yeah, man. And so I'd literally just ask them, what do you guys want to work on? Yeah. So that's, it's been cool kind of navigating through the, the last few months. And I'm just excited to see where, where these next few months, how many members do you guys have right now? Maybe four, uh, less than 15. It's gigantic. Less than 15. Is that not gigantic at five months? Uh, it seems like a lot to me. Like, I yeah. mean, I, I've never opened a, and run a jujitsu school, but it seems like just a few months in. Yeah. And I regularly have and eight thing, to 12 people in a class. Right. And like the biggest thing is just like the, the member retention. So like we've mm-hmm. all, we've retained basically all of our members besides one who just honestly only couldn't come to classes because of school. But everyone's like, everyone who signed up the first month is still here with us four months later. And that's kind of been cool. Huge. Um, yeah. For sure. Way easier to keep people than get new people. Absolutely. So something's something's going well. You're doing yeah. something right, right off the bat. But you know, we'll probably see a surge here in in this month and next month with Hopefully. the New Year's resolutions, right? Yeah. I know. And uh, just continue to kind of just try to grow the business. You know, you'll make your sign out front and make it visible from the Mickey D's over there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so as people next to my car sitting there in the parking lot <laughs> eating those French fries, they can see that sign and be like, you know. Maybe it's time for change. Right. Maybe, uh, maybe I should <laughs> do that pajama wrestling. You want us to recruit from the McDonald's? <laughs> hey, man. There's, there's, you know, there's options everywhere. There right. is. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So we don't, uh, we're mostly probably more so word of mouth at this point. Um, and that's, I guess that's part of what I'm saying. Like you're brand new, opened up, you know, kind of inconspicuous or whatever in terms of location, signage, whatever. Yeah. And just other than like a, you pushed a Facebook ad or something, that's how I've, I found out about it. Yeah. Other than that, it's word of mouth, and you're already doing pretty damn good. It's yeah. awesome. You won't you won't see our sign from the road because uh, of 
certain restrictions, right. but uh, uh, got to walk into the bank <laughs> to actually see our sign. Favorite fight of all time or favorite competition, either of you? Tell me your most entertaining competition fight story. I'm going to leave this pregnant pause in here because you guys are very seriously thinking about a lighthearted I mean, question. Ones, <laughs> fights that we've been involved in? or <laughs> Sure, sure. Yeah. There's one time downtown now. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, good question. Most entertaining fight? I'd say... So, growing up... Not growing up, but uh, coming... Coming up the coming ranks, up. right? Coming up the ranks when I when I met Dan Moret, I was a big fan of him, right? I that's why I followed him to the academy. Actually, that's how I got here to the academy. So, Dan Moret was kind of like my idol in college. Don't tell him that. But uh, <laughs> he uh, he moved to the academy, and I followed him over here. And then when the UFC came to Minneapolis, that was probably the most exciting fight of night or the most exciting night of fights I've ever been a part of. It was like super surreal seeing my friend in there in the cage. And also seeing that it's the UFC is here yeah, in Minneapolis. Close to home. It's close to home, yeah. you know. And so I think that the most memorable fight moments for me was that night. You know, so being able to see all the a lot of local fighters, being able to see one of my best friends in there, and being a part of it. I was a, I was a small part of it. You know, I was there yeah. for like the warm up in the in the beginning before the event. So I think that was probably for me the most uh, the most fun. What about of your fights? Ooh, of my fights, I'd say probably me versus Miles Johns. So he was a a guy who was on four fight four fight win streak. Three of them were knockout of the nights. So I he was I was going in there with like, wow, this guy's freaking good. And he was always on the cusp of being in the top fifteen as well, right? And I I think I I don't know what happened that that like lead up to the fight that like switched my perspective on it but i went into that fight super super confident like this guy was just not gonna touch me not gonna do anything to me and that's honestly kind of how the fight went i i went in there and i absolutely just dominated from start to finish and i think at that point is when i mentally made the the switch in my brain that like man i can fight anybody in the world and like be competitive so i'd say john miles johns it's probably my toughest, my most memorable fight. So he's still at it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Ever since, he hasn't lost since I beat him. Yeah. That's a fun little resume piece. It is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Got one? So, uh, back, back room brawls? No. Um, not that kind of guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> Big fan of butterbean <laughs> fights. Is that, that was your deal? <laughs> I am a fan. Yeah, that's yeah. uh, <laughs> probably yeah, probably just winning the All Army Championship. Yeah, that's cool. Um, but it's always like the same. It's kind of what John was saying. Like when when you when you're watching your friends fight or uh, when you're cornering them, like it's pretty cool. One of my favorite ones was uh, a guy was telling me about Braden Simonet, six foot six, three hundred yeah. pounds. <laughs> um, he was a uh, competing in his uh championship and i was cornering him and he you know in the corner corner is always yelling things and 
Uh, but he listened to everything I said, so it was just like controlling this giant. Like it was, it was pretty sweet. That, that is was, cool. Yeah, yeah. That was, uh, that was a fun time. Good it's like time. the video games version. Your, yeah. your character is, is doing yeah. exactly what like you're the hoping for. Video game ever. <laughs> so is it more fun to be a part of the fights, but not in the in the ring? You think? I think it's honest. Uh, I wouldn't say it's more fun. It's definitely more nerve wracking. So I get nervous for fights for sure, but. I am probably five times more nervous when like one of my teammates is fighting. And mm -hmm. I, I'm not going to say all my teammates because I'd be lying. But like my main training partner, Quang, when yeah. he fights, I'm so nervous. I'm like substantially more nervous than when I'm like fighting. So I don't know. I you just, think that's like I'm, I'm in control of what I do when I'm in the ring and I can't sure. have that same control? That's definitely like the airplane thing. That's a good I'm way, not flying exactly, this right? thing so it freaks me out. That's a good way to look at it. Yeah, that's probably part of it, like a big, a big part of it. But um, – it's honestly just wanting to see people that you that you really love obviously succeed right and if i if i lose a fight it's on me right but i can't really like you said i can't really control whether quang fights or or i'm sorry wins or loses but i don't know it's all it's all really nerve-wracking the mma game and the fight world is really nerve-wracking yeah when the worst case scenario is someone beats the shit out of you yeah. I, I feel like i would have a tendency to be nervous too for sure yeah <laughs> let's go shoot hoops yeah <laughs> can we just calm down uh how about this last uh last question of these is uh something along the lines of give advice to people so when it's bjj black belts i say give advice to each of the levels since we've got a lot of mixed martial arts experience here i'm going to throw it to both of you both answer whoever wants to answer um but if i'm a young person looking to get into the fight game what is your advice into the fight game into mma mma yeah or whatever um, version yeah, yeah. Give, give some advice whether it be mma jiu-jitsu um i think that a lot of the time people will will join the sport for various reasons i think that maybe some of the more common ones are to get in better shape to be able to defend yourself and and uh be able to say that you can protect somebody or yourself right and i think once you start the journey my biggest piece of advice would be that the sport itself whatever it is jiu-jitsu martial arts mma um heck even like wrestling and boxing whatever it's just it's it's like life itself it's going to be uh it's not going to be a linear trajectory right it's going to be a lot of ups and downs um i think that throughout my career my mma career i had uh a lot of, I've definitely had a lot of ups and downs, you know, some of the highest highs and the lowest of lows. But I think what really, really makes it beneficial at the end is just consistency, right? And just riding that roller coaster of up and downs, and and um, until you're until you're fully done and fully, I guess, happy with what you've accomplished or not accomplished, I think just being consistent and um, giving it a hundred percent, you know, regardless of whether you're on that downward slope of the roller coaster or that upward trajectory so i'd say just consistency is key be patient and keep at it enjoy it when it sucks too enjoy it when it sucks <laughs> yeah. yeah like uh you gotta know the cold to appreciate the heat kind of thing there's a uh, i'd say my advice would be say for in the context of somebody looking to join a gym maybe like ours um some people aren't really sure what jiu-jitsu or Muay Thai or boxing or what the differences are. Um, show up, give each one of a shot, and uh, some people do. They show up and they say, hey, I like them both. Which one should I do? Um, uh, so 
in the beginning, you know, like whichever one you think uh, you'd be the most consistently showing up to, like my advice is just do that one because it means you're going to show up. And that's going to be the biggest thing is being consistent. 100%. At least you're in the room. Yeah. yeah 100%. In the long run, you know, learn learn everything, do it all. But uh, in the beginning, just show up to whichever you think you'd be the most consistent or most excited to show up to and figure it out. Because uh, before, if you, ha- if you haven't trained at all um, and you show up, you, you don't really have much of an idea. You have a guess of what you may like or dislike. But once you... Give it a fair shot, you know, like there's a trial class, but, you know, typically after a month, you kind of figure out what you're getting into. So what you like, but just commit to commit to something, give it a fair shot. Yeah. So gi only starting from the knees, <laughs> yeah. 50% effort. Guard that's, pulls. that's what I want. Yeah. yeah. Lots of guard pulls. Yeah. I mean, I'd have to be standing at some point to pull guard. I haven't stood up since I showed up for class. <laughs> Uh, my butt buddy's, scooter, butt scooter. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> my buddy uh, uh, Tony Eduardo, he's a black belt from Brazil. He's like, ah, that's why I like jujitsu. He's he's laying on his back. He's mm-hmm. like, I can fight while laying down. <laughs> <laughs> that's with that little Simpsons line where the dude is on his back and he goes, "I've mastered the art of jujitsu. Climb atop me and meet your doom." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Closing thoughts? Anything else? Tell me where the gym is again. Do you know the address? Fifty-five yeah, Josh, and four ninety-four. Josh, will pull up the address here. But uh, we are located off of fifty-five and Industrial Boulevard in yeah. Plymouth, Minnesota. We are uh, out of a school right now, which is a karate school by the name of Shoshin Ru. And, the, and yeah, you can see that signage from the road. You can definitely see the signage from from the karate school Shoshin Ru, and it's spelled uh, R Y U. So. I know it doesn't yeah. sound like Rue, but Shoshin Rue. <laughs> it's been there forever, hasn't it? It's been there for a it's long time. A long so it's time. attached to a bank, First National Bank as yeah, well. So it's right. the same building as the First National Bank and like a a uh, piano store as well. Oh, so we are huh. in the basement of Shoshin Rue. Yeah. Yep. So you walk into Shoshin Rue, you go through the bank doors essentially, or like the, the entryway doors, mm. take a quick immediate right, and you go right down the stairs, and that's where our, our, our space is right now. So the actual address, uh, you can find it on our Instagram, Academy Plymouth Instagram page, uh, 13605 27th Avenue North, Plymouth, Minnesota. Uh, you walk in that main door like you're going to the bank. Don't enter the bank, but uh, walk in the main door, look right, and you'll see our Academy sign. We're in the basement. Cool. Thanks, boys. Yeah. Appreciate you. Website uh, is coming in the future. Oh, nice. so otherwise, future. we have uh, Instagram. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, uh, or you can find you can find John also on Instagram and Facebook. If you want to like, follow him, watch his fights, like, comment, subscribe, <laughs> join the Patreon. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> let's go. Thanks everyone for tuning into another episode of the Pohada Podcast. And hey, if you're a regular listener, head on over to the Pohada Podcast on Instagram, where amongst the ridiculous memes, you'll find a link to the merch shop and be able to keep up with the disorganized going-ons of the show. And hey, before you go, here's a little preview of an upcoming episode. That felt, yeah, it was like the fear I felt before, the moment before the first fight started contrasted against like just this I don't even know how to I don't know how to describe it just this all empowering feeling after he you know taps out to the choke and now I'm standing in this ring 
victorious over this grown man, cr big crowd cheering for the fight. Very empowering feeling, and that probably kept me coming back. It's called winning. Yeah, right? Yeah. Isn't that nice? <laughs> That's what that is.